Welcome to Speaking of Partnership, the show that brings you the personal partnership stories of experts from all walks of life so you can turn their stumbling blocks into stepping stones to healthy, long-lasting partnerships. I'm your host, Ken Bechtel. You know that the partnership game is not easy, but it's so worth it. If you're struggling with attracting or maintaining partnerships, go to speakingofpartnership.com right now, click on the big red button, and attend a free webinar on the secret to starting your ideal partnership today. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest. I can't even tell you how excited I am to bring you today's featured guest, Scott Stabile. Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Ken. Happy to be here. Excellent. No, I'm so excited. This is great. And if anybody out there isn't familiar with Scott, let me give you a little background. Scott Stabile, his inspirational posts and videos, they have actually attracted a huge and devoted social media following. His previous works include Just Love, Iris, and Little Pet Hospital. It's actually a series. Now, he's a passionate speaker and love advocate. He runs day-long empowerment workshops both nationally and internationally. Scott, do me a favor. Would you, would you, you know, fill in anything we may have missed in your intro, but also give us a glimpse into how you got started doing the amazing work you do now? Sure. You know, I got, you covered, I think, a, a lot of stuff in the intro, and I'm sure I'll cover it in my answers, but I got, uh, I started a Facebook page about five years ago, and I started the page actually um, because I had written a children's film at the time that had had bombed it was released on more than 2000 <laughs> screens in the US and it was so they considered it a very wide release and it is to this date the the lowest grossing wide release film in history so oh, it's you're the, kidding. I, no i wrote the biggest flop of all time <laughs> so <laughs> Well, Which I'm happy I can, out of the way, right? Exa- exactly. You know, I can laugh about it now. I wasn't laughing in the moment. Oh, I'm but, sure. But at the time, the PR guy for the film said, hey, why don't you start a Facebook page and you can, you know, engage with fans of the film and promote the film that way. So I launched a Facebook page. Well, there weren't many fans of the film, so that was very short-lived. <laughs> but suddenly I had a page and I'm like, well, what do I want to be writing about, you know, what do I care about? And so I decided to write about all the things that I like to talk and write about things like love and kindness and compassion and moving through our fears and these things that I feel are really important in our world. And that's really what started the page and people were were tuning in, you know, and the page just eventually grew and grew. And then it went from being just focusing on positives to sharing more of myself and my story and more of my fears and my insecurities. And and once I started doing that, I noticed the energy of the page started to shift and grow even more. And suddenly people were, you know, tuning in with things like me too, me too. And thank you for sharing that. It's good to know I'm not alone. And um, that's really how the page started to grow. And the book only exists because the page has grown so much. And I know that in part, the pub, my publisher loved what I was writing, and in part, they loved that I had a big platform that I could share, you know, what I was writing with. Yeah, and and you know, it's so funny because you're right when when you actually show up authentically, the energy shifts. Absolutely, a hundred percent of the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's fantastic. And you know, now you've got your new book out, Big Love, which is fantastic, and I've got my copy. And I'm wondering, because I ask all my guests this, I, I found that as we're talking about partnership on this show, 
that it helps to have kind of an, I call it an anchor or a guiding principle. Some people call it a quote or a mantra, but it's something that you can come back to whenever, well, maybe you're kind of off in the weeds and you're having yeah, a little difficulty. What do you use for that kind of anchor or, or guiding principle? And, and how would you recommend our listeners apply it in their lives? You know, I would say a couple things to that. There's a question I ask myself all the time that is a guiding question in my life. And that question comes in a couple forms, but it's basically, what does love invite me to do in this moment? Or another version is, how is love inviting me to respond to this moment? And I ask that question a lot, um, especially when I'm being provoked by whatever's happening in the outside world. And we, you know, we're seeing a lot of division. We're seeing a lot of vitriol in the world and the way that people are showing up and communicating with one another. And it's very easy to get sucked in to that kind of communication. When someone posts something on Facebook that really angers you, it's, I think for all of us, there's a natural response of wanting to respond and wanting to make our case. And so often we find ourselves doing it in a way that is angry and blameful and without empathy and without compassion. And so that question for me, you know, what does love invite me to do in this moment? At the very least, it keeps me from engaging in a way that I don't want to engage or engaging in a way that I don't think ultimately serves the conversation or serves our world positively. So it's a check-in for me. And and I think that we can ask ourselves that question in so many different moments over the course of the day. You know, when someone you know, is is encroaching on your space in the checkout line at the grocery store and your impulse is to turn around and give a dirty look or something, you know, well, what is love inviting me to do in this moment? You know, how can I respond differently than I am, than my impulses want me to respond? So that's one thing I do in my life consistently is ask that question. And then I think another, you know, one of maybe the most common cliche mantras out there, the words, this too shall pass, I think that when I'm really feeling low, when I'm really feeling dark, when I'm not able in certain moments to see that light at the end of the tunnel or to feel like I'm going to get to the other side of this sadness or anger or grief, whatever's going on, those words are, are for me really, really helpful. You know, this too shall pass. Just remembering that no matter what we're going through, nothing lasts forever. And I find that a really helpful reminder as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny because your 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 first comment about what does love invite me to do in this moment? Um, about a year ago, I inter interviewed uh, Dr. Bernie Siegel and mm -hmm. he had a similar similar mantra. And he was telling me how, you know, like in situations where most people would react, literally react to whoever's coming up. He just says, well, what would I do in love? Yes. And he gave the example of this this person came like very aggressively coming towards him as he got out of his car at a parking lot. And he's like, you know, like he could notice the people around him like being worried because he's in his 80s. And he's like, you know, like, is this person going to attack me? And the person came up to him with this real intense expression on his face. And he just said, I love you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and the person just was like, huh, what? And. Who knows what was going on for them? But he's like, you know, it changed everything. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, at first I thought you were saying the guy who was walking toward him no, intensely. No, no. Yeah, but he said that to the guy. Got mm -hmm. it. Yeah. It does change everything. And that that's the thing, Ken. It's like, you know, I write about love a lot and I talk about love. And for some 
you know, when you're saying love, love, love over and over, you know, it can sound really airy-fairy and not really mm-hmm. grounded. But my experience is that love is is often the harder choice to make. You know, we so naturally go to blame and anger and jealousy and judgment and all of these different things that our human minds take us to. That's very easy. You know, if someone's coming at you aggressively, your natural response is to going to be be aggressive in return. That doesn't take any extra effort from us. But getting to that place of kindness and compassion and love in those moments where it's hardest it's it's always it always takes work. It's always the harder choice. And that's why when I'm talking about love and promoting love and asking myself that question, what does love invite me to do? It's it's because I recognize that in those moments I'm doing the harder thing that's ultimately going to serve the the moment at hand. And I also recognize that love in its purest form, when it hasn't been, you know, adulterated with our ego and all the, the the mind nonsense that we bring to it, in its purest form, love is always serving everyone involved and our world in a positive, powerful way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's I, I love what you were saying there about, you know, love is usually the, the harder choice to make. And I make the same comment about partnership, right? The thing you do in partnership is never the easier choice. Yeah. The easier um, one is the one that doesn't concern anyone else. Exactly. <laughs> that's easy. Like Not all I have to do is worry about me. But if I have to think easy. about you as well, well that that's typically the harder choice. Absolutely. And that's why I mean that's why partnerships of any kind tend to be the the biggest learning grounds. You know, they tend to be the most provocative sources for learning. And they come with, I think, some of the greatest rewards when you're open to that, you know, to that discussion and to the opportunities that are presented in partnership, to the the possibility of going beyond your own ego and solely your own needs and coming coming to compromise, you know, that serves both people involved. Um, you know, there it's it's hard work, but it benefits us. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Scott, I, one of the things that our listeners love about this show is our guests are always so generous with sharing their own personal stories. And if you would, I would like to ask you to share with us a time in your life when, well, maybe you kind of tripped up in a partnership. And just tell us that story. You know, what were you doing? How did you trip up? Or maybe what did you trip on? And then what did you learn from that particular experience that has helped you move forward? And when you're speaking, uh, do you want specifically like a working partnership or a romantic partnership or a friendship or can it be anything? It can be anything. You know, well, <laughs> that's, that's a very easy answer when I look at uh, romantic partnerships. You know, I would say for me, when I'm tripping up the most and uh, I can use I'm I'm coming up on 10 years with my current partner, you know, and, nice. and so and I'm very thankful for that. That's. That's a long time, you know, it I, it feels like a long time, not in that our relationship is interminable, but it, it's a long time, <laughs> you know, to be in a partnership with someone. Yeah. But when I when I look at when the times when I feel like we're struggling the most in this current partnership, when I look at the my past partnerships, romantic partnerships and also platonic close friendships, um, when we've struggled the most, it's always around communication. You know, it is always around an unwillingness to 
sit in front of one another and be honest with what's going on and not just be not just be honest with myself and willing to present whatever it is that is my frustration or my struggle in the current moment but all we also being willing to be present in my partner's truth because so so often i think it's it's lack of communication that sends partnerships spiraling into the the deep end and dark end and ultimately leads them to failure in some way. And when I talk about communication, I'm talking about things like showing up to these conversations without needing to be right. Because the moment we enter into a conversation with the need to be right, we're not allowing for any sort of conversation. And I see how all relationships, people do this. You know, we come in, we have our frustration, we have a point to make, and we're not really open to hearing the other person's side of the story. We feel we're right. Um, I think it's critically important, and and I have um, I failed at this countless times as well, considering timing in communication. You know, it's not that I think we make a lot of excuses to prevent ourselves from having those deep, important, difficult conversations that we know we need to have with our partners. So we make up excuses because we don't want to have them because we're afraid to have them because we're afraid of how they might affect our partnership. Mm -hmm. And I'm not encouraging that at all. But I think it's absolutely important to look at timing in terms of 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 communications. It's like the example I use in the book, it's like, don't discuss your relationship as the Super Bowl is starting. You know, don't talk about going into couples <laughs> therapy. You know, if, if the Super Bowl is just coming on, don't talk about going into couples therapy. You know, if you're heading out to a holiday party, don't bring up, you know, something else that's heavy in your partnership. It is important to consider timing because if we enter into communications with our partners in moments where there's really no good possibility simply because of timing of anything positive happening, we're setting ourselves up for failure. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's another thing I encourage people to consider flexibility, you know, not just, it's not just about not needing to be right, but about recognizing that we have no idea where a conversation is going to move in our partnerships. And that if the, the best thing we can do is show up with flexibility and be willing to move wherever that conversation moves. Because not only have I needed to be right so many times and it's never served me, I've also, you know, we come into these dialogues with expectations. I'm going to make my case and I expect this to happen by the end. And communications in partnerships rarely happen the way we expect them to play out. And so we've got to be willing to be fluid when we're when we're coming to the table with something difficult or uncomfortable um, to discuss with our partners. There's a long answer. I'll stop there. It's a fantastic answer. There's about a hundred truth bombs in there. And, you know, the thing that, that you, you said there at the end is, is so important because it's like the old saying, right? The way to make God laugh is tell him your plans. Yeah, exactly. And the first time I ever shared that with somebody, I'd heard that quote. I loved it. And I'm a huge quote fan. And I shared it with a friend of mine. We were on a bike ride. And I said, well, you know how to make God laugh. Tell him your plans. And she looks at me and she just starts laughing. She goes, God must laugh a lot. <laughs> and it's exactly. so true, right? We come in with this. It's got to go this way. I've got to say it just like this. It's not going to go like that. They're no, not going to say period. the thing you said in response, thought they were going to say, and, and then it's going to take a different direction, and then you'll feel out of control. And the reason we try and manage it is to get that false sense of control, because then we feel like we're in, in power. But it's not. It's just like it's being there for that open and dynamic conversation, kind of like you and I are. I sent you a list of, of potential questions, 
And I don't really care what they if we get to any of them. I really don't. Exactly. <laughs> it's like I want this to flow however it flows naturally and be most dynamic and, and get the most for everyone. So that's one of those things that it takes practice because I, I look at what you were talking about of, of, you know, coming in with your agenda or coming in with your, your uh, plan. It's kind of like when you're trying to be right, it's like you're keeping score. Absolutely. And you walk in going, so you're behind and I'm going to prove it. Exactly. That's the thing. That's the thing I think we don't realize is that when we're when we're trying to be right, you know, and that's our goal, we are what we're saying there is we're committed to making the other person wrong. And when we enter any dialogue with anyone with that objective, how is that other person supposed to show up in any way? like authentically and honestly knowing that that's that that's how they're being set up and we're all doing it so many so often with each other you know because it's it's hard for us to just one to acknowledge when we're wrong ourselves but also two to just be okay with not being right or not needing to be right all the time but but Ken I like what you said because what, when you're talking about you're prepared with your list of questions, and I think that's a valuable thing to share to your listeners, too, because what happens in preparation and certainly in our business p- partnerships, but I think in all of our partnerships, is that the most we can do is be as clear and as prepared as we're able to be in how we're showing up in in our work environment, in our romantic environment, whatever it is. And then then with that preparedness I'll also have a willingness to let it all go if the conversation takes a different turn. But what you're doing by being prepared from your end is you're also creating a space for yourself to be more relaxed about what you're moving into because you know that you've taken time to prepare for what's going on. So that if you have to drop it all, fine, you're good because you're going in the flow. But if you have to show up, if, if for instance, I don't have anything to offer, you know, you have no idea really who I am. And you yeah. don't know if I'm going to show up to this conversation as talkative as I am or completely silent. Yeah. So at the very least, you have your list of questions if our conversation isn't flowing. And I think preparation is beautiful in that way. And the willingness to release your preparation, go with the flow is equally beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, you're you're 100 percent right. It's it does let me relax. Right. I, and I got that from I used to uh, host a live radio show. And so I never knew how many callers we were going to have. Right. So yeah. if we don't have any calls. I still got to talk. <laughs> I gotta yeah, feel something, exactly. Right. And exactly. so it's like I had to have something there as that backup. And I learned that the hard way by thinking there'd be tons of callers. And one time we didn't have any. I'm like, what do I do? Yeah. And I had to wing it, and I was freaking out. I was sweating bullets because it's live radio. You can't have dead air. Exactly. So it was like, um, I need to have some stuff prepared just in case. And sometimes I would never get to it for months because yeah. it was never needed. But then it was there. I always knew I had that in my back pocket. So, yeah, Absolutely. this this is really fun. So I want to ask you kind of a, a nuanced, different question here, Scott, and that is – What's a time in your life when you think about, you know, relationship or partnership where you had kind of a duh moment where you're like, seriously, I mean, I can't believe I've been a knucklehead for so long. How did I miss this? And then let us know how having that that wake up moment ended up being a building block for your future partnerships. Hmm. Would you, if you don't mind, and not to put you on the spot, yeah. but I, I suspect you'll be able to answer this. Give me, will you give me an example in your life? Because I'm not, 
right now I'm not getting clear on what I want, how I want to answer this, and I'd love to hear an example yeah, from you. Absolutely. So, well, it's funny because this one comes back to what we were just talking about of needing to be right. And when I realized nobody's going to win if I have to be right, because what if I'm actually wrong? But I'm so invested in being right. So I have to come in neutrally. I have to come in going, I'm open to however this conversation goes. And it was like one of those, oh, my God, I've been in my own way for so long. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I literally realized in that moment, like, you know, all these memories showed up of, oh, my gosh, I, I destroyed that. I destroyed this. I destroyed that. And it was all yeah. because I was so attached to being right instead of being in partnership. Absolutely. That makes complete sense. You know, I, I, I think for me, the things that, that's coming to mind that I've learned time and again, and sometimes forget and have to relearn is uh, the aha moment of recognizing that no one can read your mind. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and how many times I've gotten so frustrated and, you know, angry and whatever else that comes from believing that whatever partner at hand should know what I'm thinking and should be responding in accordance with what's going on in my mind. And not even from a place of needing to be right. That so often comes um, from this place of, of making this judgment like, this person's not sensitive. They're not, you know, like this is what's going on for me right now. I'm having a really hard time right now and they're completely ignoring it and they're not responding in any way that shows sensitivity to what's going on for me. And so often in those moments, almost always I realize, or but the, the real aha came with my last partner recognizing, well, Scott, you never said what's going on for you. You know, like you haven't in any way verbalized it clearly. Mm -hmm. And you're, all you're doing is putting this expectation on another human being who has who knows what going on in his mind. You're expecting him also to read your mind and then to respond accordingly. And I think that that's another thing we do in partnerships a lot is we put that expectation on our partners to be mind readers. And we get disappointed when they're not they're not showing up the way they we expect them to. But instead of just letting them know what our expectations are, you know, and then determining after we've been really, really clear with what our needs are, then determining if they're not showing up, but not expecting people to be psychic. That's been, a, I've, <laughs> I've had that aha moment a lot in partnerships where I'm like, hello, yeah. you know, speak, yeah. speak up. Yeah. And it's funny, right? Cause you may not even believe somebody can be psychic, but you still think your partner can read your mind. Absolutely. And then the, the funny thing about that is if we're just if we just wake up to all the moments that we didn't know what was going on in our partner's head, you know what I mean? Like yeah. we're doing the same exact thing. We're not and we're getting frustrated with our partners who are like expecting us to show up in a certain way, but they never said it and we didn't know. And the and and can I consider myself a highly sensitive individual mm -hmm. who's like who can tune into people's things and I have often miss my partner's cues yeah you know because they haven't said them and i haven't tuned in and i haven't read their minds yeah exactly exactly so i want to ask you something scott because i know in in your book big love you you share a lot of you know personal experiences and stories and so on what's one of those that you can share with us about 
what I would call a payoff of partnership. And, and by the way, I view partnership like your partnership with yourself or your partnership with the divine or your partnership with, with love are yeah. all partnerships that go on that we oftentimes don't even think about because we think of partnerships is with someone other than ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I like, yeah, I like, I like that distinction. You know, I well to give, um, to give people a little background who haven't read my book. I have, uh, I lost my parents when I was 14 and they were murdered. They were shot to death in their fruit market in Detroit. And which was obviously an incredibly traumatic experience in my life. And one, which at the time I just buried. And when I reflect back, and when I say I buried, I mean once a year I would cry about it and then I would lock it away. I would never talk about it. I would I would discourage, if people were talking about family, I would manipulate conversations away from it for fear that they would ask me about my family and my parents and I'd have to tell them what happened. So it was it was my great secret, you know, and it wasn't until and I and it really actually served me when I reflect back on being a 14 year old. It wasn't that I made this conscious choice to bury it. I feel like subconsciously I understood that I couldn't really take on the grief and the rage that I felt about losing them and losing them in that way. Um, I wouldn't be able to handle it. So it wasn't until my early 20s when I, I graduated college, I moved to San Francisco. I got a job at this world slash new age gift store and they had a really a really nice book section with all these different self-help and spirituality and metaphysical books. And this was my first time really exploring that world and really seeing that there are people out there who are choosing love as a goal in their lives rather than choosing a career. You know, they're, they're, they're making love the focus of their lives and, and seeing that reading about the idea of needing to look at your pain in order to, you know, make more way for the light in your life and make more way for love in your life. And I came to understand so the answer I'll give you is that it was really coming into partnership with with myself slash with love as the guiding force in my life. Because once I did that, what I was coming to understand at that time is that the walls I had put up to my darkness and to my pain and to my grief, I had also put up walls to the deepest possible connections with other people. Because I learned that you can't be really selective about your walls. We think we can, but when we're blocking out one area of our lives, we're blocking out other areas of our lives. That's how energy works. And so what I came to find for myself was that when I started opening to to love, I started I started to understand that I can handle the grief that I feel for my parents and I started to cry about my parents in a different way and I started to rage about the unfairness of it all in a different way. And once I made way for that darkness, I noticed that my connections with other people, because I wasn't hiding this part of myself and I didn't feel like I had to create a big secret around it, my connections with, with others were growing in depth. And it was really, I really credit my commitment at that point to being as loving as I can be and letting love guide me and letting and trusting in the power of the energy of love to guide me through my pain and my sorrow and my darkness and also to guide me through the connections I had with other people. Um, I watched my life change profoundly for the better over and over and over again. I saw myself uh, become more peaceful with, with my experience in the world. I watched my relationships with people grow in depth. 
I watched everything change. So I would say it was a partnership with love and also a partnership with, with the honest version of myself, the one who wasn't committed to hiding, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's, I mean, we all have our own tragedies, right? Whatever those happen to be. And we do bottle them up. Yeah. And when we can come into partnership with that, that part of us, whether it be, you know, love or grief or whatever it is, everything starts to move. Instead of being piled up and, and confined, it's free. And it gets Absolutely. out. Absolutely. And then we can yeah. release. It's really a partnership with truth. That's, that's, yes. If I, if I think about it, that's what I really feel it is. And I think that, that we live in a, an incredibly addictive society here in the United States. And I know it extends beyond the U.S., but, but here we're, we're so conditioned to feel like something's wrong if we're feeling anything but comfortable <laughs> and good. Yes. Instead of just recognizing that part of the human experience is, grief and pain and discomfort and that that's okay and that we don't have to numb ourselves and escape ourselves from feeling it instead we actually serve ourselves by al allowing fe the feelings of everything that's going on even the uncomfortable stuff because once we allow for that we see that we can survive it and we can actually continue to move forward with our lives even though there are uncomfortable moments in it and if we're not and because we're escaping so much we're not really getting clear with what is true for us, you know, and once we become more honest and more, once we, we ground ourselves in our truth, even the ugly parts of our truth, and we all have ugly parts to our truth. And I'm not just talking about the painful parts. I'm talking about the ugly human parts where we're envying our good friends who just got a promotion at work. And, you know, we're jealous of this person and these things that are a part of the human experience. If we can at least be honest with them and come to partnership with that, that level of truth, those things do not have ownership over us anymore. You know, and we can move forward with a bit more grace. That's what I found in my life. Yeah, it's 100% true. And, you know, you're right. It's all part of the process. It's all part of life. And as you said that, it reminded me this past weekend, I was up in British Columbia uh, visiting a friend of mine and he's a sailor and we were we were going out to, to sail and and Sunday we were going to be in a race and we go out to sail and we get there to the start and there's no wind. Oh, no. There's zero wind. Oh. And he's just like, we kept trying. There wasn't any wind to catch. Everybody's struggling. And finally he's like, we're just drifting towards the dock. I'm just going to drop my anchor. And we just sat there hoping the wind would come up and he goes, this is part of sailing. Mm-hmm. He's like, you can be cruising along and all of a sudden the wind dies. And that's your partner in, in moving your boat. So no wind, no movement. You just have to deal with it. There's nothing you can do. And that's part of being fully engaged in the whole process instead of going, well, I only want to be there when it's windy. Well, you can't control that. Absolutely. And we can't yeah. control that everything's going to be rosy. It's not. There's yeah. going to be bumps in the road. And the more we can partner with all pieces, the smoother the road is. Absolutely. I love that. It's a beautiful example. And yeah, I love that. So, Scott, we've we've got to a part of the show I call Bring It All Home. And this is where we're going to step away from stories. And I'm going to ask you to provide some just simple guidance for our listeners so that they can 
take these little tidbits and, and apply them directly in their lives. And, and the thing I want to start with is actually, I'm wondering what you consider to be the best partnership or relationship advice that you've ever received. Ah, that's a good question. The first word that came to mind was listen. Hmm. You know, and I, I, I think that that has served me, it serves all of us incredibly well in any partnership is to listen. And I think even the example you just used, you know, with the sailing, it's like in that moment, your friend was listening to the wind, was mm -hmm. listening to nature and making a conscious, clear choice based on what he was hearing. And I think that that when we can, you know, enter into our partnerships with a real clear intention to to listen, um, that we're going to serve all involved. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. Thank you. So we've been talking about your new book, Big Love, and I'm wondering what's another book or maybe it's just a resource that you would recommend to our listeners and why that particular one? Uh, well, the first the first one that comes to mind because I love this book so much is Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed. Um, she's the woman her who wrote the book Wild, which was a very, very big book and film. But she wrote she was for a time. Um, there's an online site called The Rumpus, and she was the the like Dear Abby of The Rumpus. They had a column called Dear Sugar, and she was sugar. And Tiny Beautiful Things is a collection of some of her favorite letters that were written to her and the responses that she gave because it was an advice column. And the reason I recommend it is because she the, the letters that she receives are just focused on all different areas of life and situations in life. And you're going to any reader is going to be able to relate to so many of the, the things that the writers write and even the letters that they can't relate to. They're absolutely going to be relate, be able to relate to what Cheryl Strayed, how she responded. And I recommend it because one, she's a beautiful writer. Um, but but even more importantly, you know, I think that when we're when we're in that that creatively or in any area of our, our lives when we're really present in our in our truth and in our freedom and we're letting that kind of course through the communications and the work that we share, it's when we find our greatest clarity. And she responds to these people with so much clarity and also so much empathy, such a recognition that in the, the person's humanity. And even if she hasn't gone through the exact same situation, she recognizes that we're all human beings. We all know grief. We all know pain. We all know insecurity. We all know love. We all know everything. And so she responds from this very empathetic, clear place. And I just, you know, you talk about aha moments. There were so many moments in her writing. It wasn't like I hadn't ever considered the things that she's sh saying, but the way she, she says them and it could have been my openness in the moment while I was reading it, but it was just one aha moment after the next where I'm like, I can apply this to my life. I can apply that to my life. So I, I highly, highly recommend that book for everybody. Tiny, beautiful things. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Well, I, I got to say, Scott, we're, we're, we're running towards the end of the show and, and clearly – you have a lot to share, which is fantastic, and I love is that, this. Is that a euphemism for you're a blabbermouth? No, not at all. I know, no, I'm, no. I'm just kidding. This, this is so great because you're so generous and, and genuine in what you're sharing, and I, I want to make sure that our listeners know how they can contact you and learn more about what you do and, and pick up your book. So what's the best way for them to do that? 
Thank you for that, Ken. I appreciate it. As far as uh, the book is everywhere. I mean, it's it's online. It's an ebook. It's an audiobook. I, I'm doing the reading in the audiobook. It's in bookstores. Uh, you know, it's called Big Love: The Power of Living with a Wide Open Heart. So, uh, yeah, if if you are inclined to pick it up, let me know what you think of it. Um, as far as finding me online, uh, I have a website, scottstabile, S-T-A-B-I-L-E.com. And then Facebook, I really encourage people on Instagram and on Facebook especially to find me there if you're on Facebook because I do a lot of live videos there where you can tune in live in real time from anywhere in the world. And I'm, I'm most active on that page. And you can just search me on Facebook and you'll find me. Awesome. And, and we'll actually put a link to that for you on on the show page so everybody listening when you're now currently driving and trying to scrape down scott's name don't yeah. worry about it you can just type in scott and you'll go straight to his show page and all the links will be there so it'll be really easy for you thank you for that absolutely well i gotta say scott this has been one of my favorite interviews in a very very long time your your stories your insights absolutely incredible and i i've I've learned so much today. I know I'll be digesting this for a while. I'm sure our listeners will too. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, it's been my pleasure, Ken. And really, thank you for what you're doing. Honestly, this work matters so much. And I, I believe you're adding more love and clarity and light to this world. And I'm very grateful. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Speaking of Partnership. Head over to speakingofpartnership.com for links and recaps of every show and so much more. Be sure you catch the bonus stories from our guests on Follow Your Yes Friday. It's easy to do. Just go to your favorite podcast directory, search for Speaking of Partnership, and click subscribe. Like what you hear? Leave us a rating and review on Stitcher or iTunes. The greatest compliment you can give the show is to refer us to someone else either in person or on the web. Have a great day. And remember, even when you stumble, you're still moving forward. Peace.